our farm is the farm that has been Zoom bombing people's meetings with goats. What started as a joke just went completely bonkers. It's been featured on national TV and radio and press globally. It's made six-figure profit, over 20,000 bookings in over 150 countries around the world. Welcome to Let's Play Business. Welcome to Let's Play Business, the show that explores how games can make people better at business and business better for people. Welcome back to the show. Zuki, it's great to see you again. What you've been playing and what you've been business in. Ben, Ben, it's great to be back. What have I been playing and what have I been businessing? Do you know what? I'm gonna have to be real with you here and say I haven't been doing much playing. I've been busy living the life things, playing the game of life, Ben. This massively multiplayer online role-playing game where we all play ourselves. That's what I've been playing. Very immersive. Very immersive. And on the business side of things, things have been pretty busy. We've been doing a lot of new year recruitment, which is always a lot of work that goes into that, the highs and lows of recruitment. And obviously one of our products at Snake Eye, it's a phone case, and Samsung are releasing a string of phones at the moment that obviously need cases for protection. So yeah, it's been busy, Ben, it's been busy. How about you? What you been playing and what you been businessing? So playing wise, I've been playing Obviously, the hit sensation that everyone else has been on recently, Wordle. So I've been dabbling in that. A number of my friends are on much better streaks than I am, to be honest. But I'm definitely not the bottom either. I'm, I'm middling, I would say. Businessing-wise, a couple of things. So we've had some recent traction with our Not Another Network concept. Most networking sucks at the moment. So we want to use games to transform the networking experience. Uh, and create genuinely meaningful conversations between peers. At least that's what I'm putting on the web page. I'm genuinely quite excited about it. I think there's a lot of scope for improvement there. And then other than that, so I recently done a couple of posts on LinkedIn around play your own storybook type things. And I did one about Partygate and Boris Johnson helping him avoid attending a party. And that was very fun to write. So I think I'm gonna do a few more of those. I think I'm gonna do another one on The Apprentice. That'll be fun. So I've been enjoying that kind of unique marketing content vibe. Game Games, marketing, business, all my favorite things mixed into a single LinkedIn post. You've absolutely nailed it, my friend. We, of course, are joined by an esteemed guest here, the one, the only, Dot McCarthy. Welcome to an episode of Let's Play Business. How are you doing? Thanks for having me. Doing all right. Tell us a little bit about yourself. My name's Dot McCarthy and I run Crunchyfold Farm. And if you are wondering why there is a random farmer on this podcast, our farm is the farm that has been Zoom bombing people's meetings since the beginning of COVID with goats. So if a random goat has joined your video call at any point, it was probably one of mine. Goats on Zoom started out as a joke, basically at the beginning of the pandemic. Had loads of mates who were super bored in video meetings, like, oh my God, these are so dull. I said, hey, what about if uh, you invite one of my goats to your business meeting and see if any of your colleagues notice? What started as a joke just went completely bonkers. It's been featured on national TV and radio and press globally. Everything from the Wall Street Journal to the Hindustan Times, Malaysian Times, New York Times, uh, BBC World News. It's made six-figure profits. It's been reinvested into the farm because we're really keen to be completely carbon neutral. So that's all gone on renewable power tech. 
I had to hire 10 extra employees because it got so crazy busy. Over 20,000 bookings in over 150 countries around the world. Went a bit mad, really. I'm very curious, Doc. Did you see competitors spring out? Did you see other people enter the GOAT Zoom rental market or were you very much dominant in that space? We were dominant for sure, but yeah, loads of people copied us, but our goats are cooler than everybody else's, so. I have to say, I love your goat intros on your website, like the little goat profiles and bios. Thank you very much. Have you got a favorite goat, Zuki? Oh, um, the evil twin. <laughs> She's forever escaping onto the next door farm and stealing cauliflowers and getting up to all sorts of rambustious activities. She's just gone even higher in my rankings. I love that, love that energy. And of course, Dot, that you don't just do the Zoom goat rental. You existed before that, you still exist after and you do a few other bits and bobs. So what else do you do on the farm? I should probably caveat this by saying I never thought I would run the farm. My sort of game plan for work and stuff was I really wanted to work in climate change research. I really want to do something about climate change. And then my brother decided he didn't want to take over the farm. And I figured, well, actually, I could probably have more of an impact on the climate if I convert the farm to being really environmentally friendly, running on the smallest amount of resources possible, all renewable tech, renewable power, that sort of thing. Don't you also do so people can hire accommodation and things like that on site? Yeah, so agriculture is, as businesses go, it's not one that has like sudden massive peaks in income. So the fact that I want to invest in renewable power tech, switching up our farming practices so the food we produce has a smaller carbon footprint, all of that requires massive investment. So yeah, basically just came up with a load of random ideas to make extra revenue to be able to implement those things quicker. Set up a load of random accommodation on the farm just on the cheap. It literally started at eight pounds a night. We've got a tree house, we've got huts, we've got cabins, we've got yurts. It's very private and uh, they've all got like little campfires outside and stuff. So it can just kind of escape to the countryside. We farm sheep, goats and poultry. We just started farming bees. We're looking to switch up what we farm though to be more in line with the sort of needs of climate change and stuff. We've started renting out the barn for weddings. Basically, any random idea that I had, I just wrote it on the website. I love that, Dot. That's what they call innovation, you know? That's what they call horizontal or vertical integration. There's some business term for it. On this episode, the way this is going to work, we're going to have three rounds or three levels even. First, game of the decade, where we're going to talk about our favorite game on this particular episode and find out what it taught us about business. Level two, Dingo's the interview. We'll be talking to Dot about their business journey and what games may have taught Dot along the way. And then finally, level three, Game My Problem. 60 seconds we'll have to come up with a game that'll help solve one of your business problems. Level one, Game of the Decade. Okay, listener, it's time for Game of the Decade. And Zuki, it is your turn to make a case for Game of the Decade. So I hope you've got a good one prepared. Oh, I've got an absolute corker, let me tell you. Okay, my Game of the Decade contender today is a game that I'm pretty sure most people listening to the show are going to be familiar with, yourself included, Ben. It is a game synonymous with coloured blocks floating around on Twitter and WhatsApp, with five-letter words, and, of course, with the Omicron wave of COVID. That's right, folks. Our Game of the Decade nomination is none other than Wordle. 
It's Wordle, folks. It's become so viral that I'm concerned that by the time this episode gets released, everyone's forgotten what Wordle is. Look, it's fine. We're on trend. We're just late. Anyway, so for those of you who've been living under a rock over the past few months and aren't familiar with it, Wordle is a simple online game where you have six guesses to figure out a five-letter word. When you guess a correct letter in the correct place, that letter turns green. When you guess a correct letter in the incorrect place, it turns yellow. And when you guess an incorrect letter, it just turns black, making it much easier to guess the word with each subsequent guess. Each day, a new word is randomly signed and it's a simple elegant game that just today actually was sold to the new york times for a seven figure sum hashtag business baby that's how it works so i've got three reasons why i'd like to nominate wordle for game of the decade so number one it forces you to just start. You just have to start somewhere. So your first guess is a total stab in the dark. People often have go-to words that contain a lot of common letters. So for example, the word audio has four vowels in it. There's a little bit of like planning that you can put into it, but basically you just have to start somewhere. And it's the same with business. We've talked in the past on the show about the dangers of analysis paralysis. And Wordle teaches you that if you just start somewhere with something, you can gather some data and iterate from there. And that is just generally good business practice. The second reason, is that it rewards consistency. The game releases just one word a day and a big part of the game is about building a win streak. So you can't just binge it and do several rounds in one day and then get bored and move on. You have to be patient and play little and often. And that is also the case with business. I am a marketing guy, as our regular listeners will know. And a lot of marketing is just about consistency. So Nike's Just Do It campaign is a classic example of this. And it's one of the most effective marketing campaigns of all time, partly because it's been used since 1998 and it's just become synonymous with the brand. It's been very consistent and Wordle encourages the same behavior. And the third reason is that being good at Wordle isn't about being good at Wordle. It's about being good with words. It rewards life skills such as vocabulary and spelling. And a lot of business is about the same. It's about having good life skills. So for example, emotional intelligence, curiosity, creativity, these are all essential business skills, but the best way to develop them isn't just through business, but through life. Those are my three reasons. And that is ultimately why I think Wordle should be our game of the decade. It was also actually a game that was released in this decade, which obviously gives it 10 bonus points. <laughs> makes a change for us. I think your point on marketing is a real good one in terms of consistency, because this is something that I must admit, I actually struggle with quite a lot. I do have a habit of sometimes picking things up and then putting it back down when it maybe doesn't work after a couple of goes. Sometimes you do have to recognize when to quit something, but you do have to go things a good go. And I do find that balance quite difficult. The one part of Wordle you haven't spoke about is the fact that you can share it. The fact that it's so shareable, like your results and how you're doing, and it's so visual as well. And I think that that social sharing is a huge part of its success. If I think of that in a business context, it's like shared problems is in, how did you tackle it? Oh, well, I got stuck here. Oh yeah, I had that as well. And you get like this kind of shared experience. And I think that's interesting in business as well, where you get people sharing best practice with each other, I think is a really good example in kind of groups that I play Wordle with, where they're like, oh, do you try this? Oh, I try this. And there's a lot of like best practice sharing and debate. I think in business that can be really healthy and teams that I've been a part of, that really helps and is really beneficial. Also, out of curiosity, Dot, have you played Wordle? Well, Zuki did send me a link today and then when I sent him a screenshot being like, this is very cruel, making a very dyslexic person play a word game. The only comment back was like, well done, you did it. I love the fact your first word is cakey. I love that they accepted cakey as a word. Level two, ding goes the interview. 
Welcome back, listener. It is time for Ding Goes the Interview. Doc, we're going to interview you about what games may have taught you about business. Now, we will be awarding you dings, kind of like points, really, for every bit of insight that we feel that you drop on us. First question, what is your favourite ever game and why? Have either of you ever played sardines? Oh, no, but I feel like I've heard of it. Kind of like hide and seek, but with a twist. Oh, yes. When you find someone, you hide with them. Yeah. Basically, so it's it's better if there's more of you. So I've grown up in like pretty rural area on a farm, loads of brothers and sisters and stuff, other farm kids nearby. So we've got the whole farm to play this on. And basically one person goes and hides, everybody else waits, and then everybody goes to look for them. First person to find them hides in the same place. So for example, if you were hiding underneath a quad bike, then the next person to find you has to also get under the quad bike. And then both of you hide together until the next person finds you. And then they have to hide under the quad bike. And then depending on, you know, how old you are and how big you are, you might be like 15 kids squished under this quad bike. Sounds quite dangerous. Yeah, the quad bike probably isn't a very PC safe example. Don't do that at home, please, listeners. (laughs) The game of sardines, has it taught you anything about business? Yes, people can be flaky. People can trick you if you're the youngest, like me. Like, we're going to play sardines. (gasps) Amazing. I'll go and hide. And then like five hours later, nobody's found you because everybody else has left. (laughs) (laughs) It can teach you a lot about different people. It can also teach you a lot about teamwork as well. So maybe you buddy up with a friend. Us two, we're going to find them first or we're going to find the best hiding place. And it's just fun, isn't it? It's just a ridiculous game. Might end up with 10 of you squished into a cupboard. Does it teach you a little bit as well about, because obviously you want to find a hiding spot that's good for now, so you, you'll, you it won't be easy to find you, but it also will be good for like hiding 10 people, not just one. So under a quad bike, for example, that might create some problems. But if you can find like the back of a barn behind some hay bales where like 10 of you could easily hide, then you're planning for the problem that you've got now, which is just one problem, but you're also planning for another problem where you've got, you know, 10 people or 12 people to hide down the line. I like that analogy. I think you've been good at sardines. (laughs) I will come to the farm and we can play sardines. How about it? (laughs) It's a deal. We'll do it. Question number two. Can you name a challenging moment in your career and tell us any skills that games helped you develop to maybe overcome that moment? Yes, definitely. Good old COVID. Basically, we've done really well with all the new ideas we'd implemented at the farm to make more money. The BBC picked up on what we were doing and loved it. So they did a documentary about the farm that was just going to go out regionally. But then the commissioners loved it. So it went out nationally. So we got loads more bookings for the venue, loads more bookings for the accommodation. I had to take on my first employees, which was awesome. And then COVID comes along. All of the extra revenue streams relied on visitors. So all of that extra revenue stopped. So the piggy bank, we'd been busily filling up with DOSH for the solar panels and the other renewable power tech. No more money was going in it. There was none of that growth. And both of my first two hires were absolute legends. So I got an amazing 16 year old apprentice. He worked really, really hard. Another employee who's part-time, she's like raising a little girl on her own. So she really wanted to like have a job where she could inspire her young child. I just really wanted to not have them sat at home being bored. So I was like, what can we do? So we literally just started iterating through ideas. Like, what can we do? We did a few live streams and video stuff on Facebook. I actually got picked up by Cheryl Sandberg. She's the COO at Facebook. So she shared that on her Instagram, which was cool. Sounds like, oh, you know, amazing. A billionaire. 
shared what you were doing. Great, but it didn't actually make us any money. So we're like, right, okay, what else can we do to tap into this whole everybody being outside in their gardens? And we had loads of manure at the farm. So we started a poo delivery service. You could order shit on our farm website and we will deliver it to you. We had a Zoom call and we're like, right, what other ideas have we got? And then I said, well, you know, everybody's bored on their video calls, aren't they? What about if we set up a service where you could hire one of our goats to zoom bomb your meeting just check if anyone's paying attention everyone laughed and was like oh yeah that's mental though so we're obviously not going to do that i was twiddling my thumbs at like half past nine at night thinking i might as well just do this goat idea anyway because i'm not doing anything else right now so i just wrote up the goat profiles put them on the website put a post on our social media saying are you bored during your video meetings book a goat and find out if your colleagues are paying attention. I put Emma's email address at the bottom and <laughs> I woke up the next morning to about 20 missed phone calls off Emma. I was worrying, like, are you all right? She was like, no, I've got 200 emails from people asking to book goats. What have you been doing? And yeah, it just gone viral overnight, basically. She rang me back at about 11 o'clock and she was like, I've got 400 emails and I've been answering an email about every minute since I last spoke to you. So it was just going mental. So that's when we started realizing, okay, we're gonna have to automate this. It went mental. We were doing like 100, 200, 300 calls a day. Got the staff back in to do the calls because it's a perfect social distancing job because you're not near any people. You're basically just in a barn full of goats. Yeah, that got the money in the bank. Question is, Dot, how did games help you to work your way through that challenging moment? Definitely, I think being up for something a little bit daft. Like, it is a bit ridiculous to hide under a quad bike for five hours waiting for somebody to find you. The point really is, it's just funny. And I think really, the video calls, it's exactly the same. Like, why is there a goat in my meeting? Like, because it's funny, no other reason. Also, from like a neuroscience perspective, something completely out of the ordinary happening during something that's quite mundane can make people switch on and think differently and more creatively. So there's all that side of it as well. Games are supposed to be fun. Fun is supposed to be enjoyable. So it doesn't necessarily have to be sensible to make money. Do you think that if grown-ups were more open to playing in general and spent more time playing games and doing silly things like sardines, do you think that those same grown-ups, when they start looking at problems in their work, they'd be more likely to come up with kooky ideas that actually work, like the goat Zoom call idea that you had? Oh, 100%. I mean, look at Elon Musk's not a flamethrower. <laughs> I love that. It's true. It's true. That's very much like the thinking behind this very show. It's like, if we play games for fun, they're just about solving problems. But work is about solving problems, but we don't do that for fun. Then I feel like something's gone a bit wrong. Question number three. If you could describe your career journey as one game, what would that game be? I'm always a bit hesitant using the word career. I'm just trying to do something about climate change and eat food and have a roof and heating at the same time. I'd say it'd be like Go, because Go is unbelievably complex, but also you can play it in a very simple way as well. Yeah, I'd say Go, because there's a lot of different options for how I've ended up being where I am now. And there's a lot of different paths I could have chosen to sort of get where I am. And more than one of them would have worked. With Go, it's the same thing, isn't it? There's so many different techniques and styles and ways to play the game. I think that's the same really with whatever your goal is, with what you're trying to achieve in life, in your like career, if you're going to call it that. There's always so many different ways you can get there. It's not like a career ladder, it's like a jungle gym. Out of curiosity, how does Go work? Because I've actually never played it. It's like a wooden board and it's got lots of pebbles on it. You basically try and close in other people's pieces. And the more of theirs you can close in, then they become yours and the highest scorer wins. 
So it's in some ways it's like super simple, but in other ways it's very, very complicated. AI has been used to play chess and now the best AIs like absolutely smash out of the water the best chess players. But the AI against like the best Go players was just proper crap. Great game, I'll give Go a go. I'll give Go a go, that works. <laughs> Question number four, Dot. Tell us one of your most memorable game playing moments and tell us what it taught you. Most memorable game playing moments would have to be Settlers of Catan. Have you played that? Oh, yes. How many people have you played it with? You played it with like a decent sized group? Six, maybe? When does the expansion kick in? Is that six players? Yeah, I think it is six, isn't it? I'd say Settlers of Catan because you've always got the ability to sort of sneakily team up with your fellow people around the board and just that youngest person in the sibling group or whoever, you know, just fuck them over. We're just going to bully you out of this game. <laughs> <laughs> that does tend to happen. I like that um, camaraderie and the ability to work together as well. Cool. In terms of your Catan experiences, again, are there any lessons that you've taken away from those that you've applied in your business life? Yeah, for sure. Helping out other people who are trying to do the same thing as you. So I've got friends who run their own businesses who are very ethically minded. Abby Sellers down the road, she runs Plentiful Plastic Free Shop. She's gone from like this tiny little business down a side alley and now she's on the main high street supporting other businesses like that and working together. It's a lot quicker to get to where you want to be if you collaborate. Got to build those roads, right? That's a Catan reference, guys. It's a good Catan, because you build, you build the road. Got it, we got okay, it, cool. we got yeah. it, it's all right. <laughs> <laughs> Final question, Dot. Have you seen any good examples of games being used in a business or by a business before? Yes. So it's actually from my business. <laughs> so. How convenient. So, you know, before when I said we were trying to think up ideas for making more money and it just kind of happened naturally. We didn't really intend for it to be a game, but it kind of is. So we have a time limit to come up with these new money-making ideas. So you literally have three minutes to come up with as many different ideas to help increase revenue as you possibly can. And the person who comes up with the most ideas wins. Nothing, but they win. <laughs> and then you rank everybody's ideas. So your favorite, you rank one, and then you rank everybody else's lists as well and then combine the scores. So the idea with the lowest score is the one that you'll implement first. I mean, it's a great example of games and business thought. I'm very glad it's from your own business. You know, I don't think anyone's picked a game yet from their own business. Our other guests, they're clearly just not experimental enough and not thinking about games in their business enough. How can we turn this process of ideation into a game? And I have got a lot of time for that. Copyrighted and you are able to buy this software from the farm website. <laughs> Right, that's the end of our questions, Dot. We're going to tally up your dings now. I've got mine. I'm on nine dings. I'm sitting pretty on eight dings, which brings you to a very good score, Dot, of 17 dings, Dot. Oh. Where does that place you on the leaderboard? Once again, no idea. I do know that 17 is a good score. I'm very pleased that will comfort me and allow me to sleep well this evening, which is a bonus when you're nine months pregnant. Level three, game my problem. Right, welcome back listener for the final round, which is of course, game my problem. I'm going to read out an email from one of our listeners. Uh, it'll be a business problem and we will each have 60 seconds after that to come up with a game to solve that business problem. Dear Ben and Zuki, happy new year. I hope 2022 is treating you well. 
I have a bit of a weird problem, but I think the only way to fix it is with a weird solution. Hence why I'm contacting you guys. Big fan of the show, by the way. I'm managing director of a small legal services firm, and we finally transitioned to the 21st century and replaced email with Slack for internal comms. Alas, you can't teach an old dog new tricks, and the team are really reluctant to learn the new platform and are continuing to clunk around with email. I'm convinced it will help productivity, so I'm keen for people to just give it a go. Is there any way that we could use a game to help smooth the transition? I'd love to hear your thoughts. Thanks so much for your help, chaps. Best, Humphrey. Humphrey, what a struggle. Humphrey's looking after his legal services firm. He's finally transitioning from the world of email to the world of instant messenger for business, Slack. And his colleagues are a little bit reluctant to make the switch. So he needs a game to try and incentivize them, reward them or something to kind of like get people to like, move over to this new way of working. I think we can make this work, guys. Right, 60 seconds. I'm gonna start the timer. Your time starts now. Time is up, your time is up. Right, it's time to name these games. Dot, would you like to go first? Yes, I do want to go first. Yes, I do feel confident. We need a name for your game as well, by the way. I think it would have to be called Malteser Pinger or Malteser Flicker. No, I like Pinger, I like Pinger. So in this sort of business, you're all in an office, right? So you have like square jars, but with sweets in. And we're going to go for Maltesers because they're round. And everybody always has an elastic band because you're in an office and it's and then if you catch someone emailing instead of using Slack, you ping a Malteser at them. <laughs> so everybody starts with the same amount of Maltesers in each jar. So say Zuki is being a cretin and he is on his email instead of doing Slack, ping a Malteser at him from his jar. So he has one left Malteser. But if Zuki's paying attention, he might be like, ah, ninja skills are catchable teaser. In which case he's thinking quick, which is what you want to do. You want to be acting quick, thinking quick, communicating on Slack, which is quicker. <laughs> That's delightful. That's a much friendlier version of the kind of route I've gone down. Nice, I like it. Malteser Pinger, I like it. Plus, everyone gets Maltesers. I'll just have to try not to eat mine. I mean, there's a secret going on here, which is just you get to eat Maltesers at work, so everybody wins. Yeah. I would play that game. I would definitely play that game. Okay, I'll go next. My game is called No Email Pain, No Productivity Gain. Mm-hmm. Catchy. It's very catchy. And in this game, okay, it's quite brutal, but you know, that's business, I'm afraid. So there's several dartboards put on the wall. So you need to be in an office again for this one, but hey ho. On each dartboard, there's a face of one of the employees. If anyone is caught emailing, then everyone has 30 seconds to throw as many darts as they can at that person's face on that dartboard. Not the real face, it's a printed face, don't worry. It's not that brutal. Listener, sorry, Dot's reaction is, is one of disgust at the moment. So what happens is after like a month of this, we see what employee has the most darts on their face and whatever employee it is, they're fired. They're fired. <laughs> Brutal. Yeah, so it's, it's it's a bit savage, if I'm honest. If your company is big enough to have a HR department, then you ain't doing that, I don't think. One of my more unique games I've come up with, I'd say. At least it had a great name, Ben. At least it had a great name. Exactly. All right, Zuki, you got to top that. Okay, so my game is called Slack It To Me, Baby. The idea is that we're trying to get people to slack it to me, baby. So the way it works, it's a game of like 
deception basically and like stuff happens in the background so let's say i'm steve and i'm refusing to use slack i'm doing everything on email everyone just goes along like steve can continue to use email that's fine it's all good whatever whatever so steve thinks you know what i've got away with this it's fine i'm i'm i'm, I'm in business but meanwhile on slack what everyone does is if they think that someone's like sending too many emails and not using slack properly they change their profile picture on slack to the face of the person that they think isn't being very good and then meanwhile, everyone who's using Slack can see, oh, whoa, this Steve guy, he's <laughs> he's not very good. And like Louise and accounts, she's not very good either. And then at the end of each week, there's a Slack It To Me Baby ceremony. People who nominate people who have been really good at like doing the slacking and they can get a little trophy and the trophy may or may not contain Maltesers. And then they reveal the person who's got the most profile pictures on Slack. And if it's Steve, cause he's been like not sending email, then he gets shamed. He gets shamed publicly in front of everyone until he succumbs to the peer pressure and complies and starts sending his messages on Slack instead. So that's my game, Slack it to me, baby. And then it just goes like that each week until there's no one, everyone's just got their own normal profile pictures because everyone's moved over to Slack. I mean, that's still pretty brutal, to be honest. It's still pretty savage. That is genius. I love that. I think that's really good. And I don't know how you can say it's a savage just throwing darts at one of your employees' faces. That is a different realm. It's just a bit of peer pressure, Ben. You know, it's fine. It's just, it's just it's a casual peer pressure. <laughs> yeah, but in some ways, peer pressure can be more sinister because it's like it's trying to disguise itself. Whereas at least when you're throwing darts at someone's paper face on a dartboard, it's not sinister. It's horrible, but it's not sinister. That's what I would say. Look, Ben, if you fire Steve because he's not been sending slack messages, then that's an employment tribunal waiting to happen. Whereas if Steve resigns because of a toxic working environment, that's on him. <laughs> <laughs> well, I've got to admit, that's possibly our most interesting round of Game My Problem in terms of solutions. Humphrey, I'm not going to lie, if you can't solve your Slack productivity challenges with at least one of those games, then I'm afraid it's a lost cause because you're not going to get any better ideas than those three, quite frankly. Right, that's the end of the final round, which means Dot, that brings us to the end of Let's Play Business. Have you had a good time on the podcast? I hope it's distracted you from being nine months pregnant. It's been good. I'm still chuckling at the whole employee incentive by throwing darts at them to try and get them to do something that you want. But yeah, it's been good. It's been interesting. Well, thank you, Dot, again, for appearing on this episode. It's been a pleasure to have you. And thank you very much, listener, for listening to episode 10 of Let's Play Business. If you've got a business problem you'd like our help with, then please email in your dilemma to letsplaybusinesspodcast at gmail.com. That's letsplaybusinesspodcast at gmail.com. Also, we would, of course, love a recommendation. If you've got a friend that loves Wordle or any of the other games we've mentioned in this episode, we'd love for you to make them aware of our podcast. Now, all our social media handles will be in the show notes below, as well as links to my company, Alternate Experiences, in case you want to take a peek at what we offer. But for now, I have been your host, Ben Fowler. And I've been your other host, Zuki. Thank you again for listening. We'll see you in the next episode. This time, we got a jingle. <clears throat> Thank you for listening to our podcast. Share it with your friends because they will like it too. Ta-da! That's good, right? Thank you.